0: Exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers could get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Visit uscellular.com for terms and restrictions. Oh, you didn't know?
1: No. It's that time, so come on down. We're walking in the
2: downtown
3: town. double g dog and cats. Talking shop, reminiscent on a flashback. Hall of Fame name with a legacy that's long of the Armstrongs, questions get answered, oh you didn't know, let's start the show. <laughs> It's time to stop barking and start howling as we welcome all our pound puppies and kennel kittens to Oh, You Didn't Know. I'm that stray cat, Ryan Katz. And as always, from this point forward, I'll be joined by the man of the hour, that dirty dog that doesn't need a shower, the former WWF Hardcore Champion, former WWF Intercontinental Champion, six-time WWF Tag Team Champion, former WWE Tag Team Champion, two time NWA Tag Team Champion, current WWE Hall of Famer. That's right, the Road Dog himself, B.G. Brian James.
0: Road Dog,
4: welcome. <laughs> Ryan Katz you have outdone yourself you son of a bee sting what an intro man what an intro thank you so much I
3: mean you deserve an intro a career that's stacked and jacked with accolades and accomplishments and now we're here in episode number one where you get to tell those stories man
4: episode number one well I hope I don't tell them all uh prematurely it's a problem i have sometimes uh with storytelling ryan come on keep your head out of the gutter but yeah i'm gonna look i'm gonna have a good time i'm looking forward to uh walking down memory lane with you guys
3: so as i said episode one how you feeling i mean it's been a while since you've kind of you got the live bit on the super show but you haven't had your chance to speak your voice since since a couple of months back
4: yeah yeah it's been look it's uh, I had my first WrestleCon uh, Outside the WWE bubble uh, This past weekend I had a great time uh, We did do that live show with Jeff uh, Jarrett And, and uh, Eric Bischoff and, and Conrad And we had a, we had a great time uh, Steve Regal, uh, Jeff Hardy uh, just a who's who really of, uh, of wwe hall of Famers. and so we had a great time we we talked about launching the podcast which i'm excited to do but you asked me how i'm feeling and i got to be honest i'm a little nervous i don't know if it's a new uh a new platform that i'm trying or a new challenge i'm trying you know a new uh obstacle i'm trying to negotiate but but i'm kind of nervous to be quite honest with you
3: I mean, I get it. I'm normally pretty confident and don't have the jitters, but my anxiety has been rolling high. I've been having trouble eating these last couple of days. No one we're getting started and just feeling the excitement. But you think but you ex-
4: think you're nervous? Look at my shooting hand.
3: That's pretty steady.
4: I messed up the joke. Sorry.
3: <laughs> I mean, you were pretty steady. But it was supposed shows. to.
4: It was supposed to be. Look. That's pretty steady. Yeah, but this is my shooting. <laughs> Just a blazing saddles rip off. I apologize. I mean, aside from the
3: nervousness, man, I'm feeling sore because since getting released from WWE, I figured <laughs> I had to get myself back in shape. And I've been working out with AEW star Cesar Bononi, and he's been putting me through the ringer on oh, the man. weights. And, and I've maybe I'm getting ready for an in-ring return. Oh,
4: well, no, I would love to, kidding. I would, I would pay to see that, to be quite I, honest. I don't think I would. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and, 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 uh, wow. Caesar Benoni, there's a blast from the past. He's a good, great, great guy. Um. Yeah, I don't know if you asked me a question there, if you were just talking about working out to make me feel bad because I'm fat. I don't know what you were bringing that up for, but I'm glad you're getting in shape.
3: It's the feeling. It's just the feeling. My body's feeling things right now. Final thing, I mean, just as we keep going, let's just talk about us for a second and the interaction of how we came to come together on this show. Okay. Known you for about eight years or so at the Performance Center from a distance. You were doing SmackDown and then you'd visit the PC at NXT and all that. But then when you came down to the PC to work there, we got to be like just side to side and get to do a lot of cool things. And it was awesome, man.
4: Yeah, I know. It was awesome for me, too, Ryan, because to truth be told, uh, I was on your coattails, uh, man. We did get to work really closely together. Uh, I'm seeing. Uh, the fruits of our labor on TV every Tuesday night. Yep. Um, it's really cool to see some of the characters and some of the uh, individual talent that we worked with specifically and now see them, you know, coming coming uh, of age, if you will, if you will. Uh, but But yeah, it's just so much fun to work on that side of it um and look that's probably a whole nother podcast all within itself is talking about the production side of things but uh man it's just so it was so great to get to know you and you could wear and i said this at the live show but you wear so many hats man you you can uh rap sing dance edit uh you know what i mean like everything uh technologically so so Thanks. It was a no brainer. Yeah, no, it was a no brainer. Um, I literally told Conrad over breakfast one day, if I had a company, I would hire Ryan Katz. And then about a month later, I said, hey, can I bring Ryan Katz on <laughs> to, to do the show with me? and And Conrad jumped at the at the opportunity so he he knew you from from you working uh so long ago you know it, the first employee ever uh it was, FC, it was fc it was fcw it was at yeah. the pc oh okay so, okay so, so I misspoke. Right after
3: that you miss you got it a little wrong but it was yeah. the idea was right man <laughs> i had the, the essence was, i had hey, the hey, essence <laughs> all right i mean that's probably enough of the small talk so let's get down to business and the reason that everyone's tuning in and that's to hear some motherfucking stories from the <laughs> Double G.
4: Oh Lord, here we go.
3: Let's get right into it, Brian, with the formation of the new age outlaws. <clears throat> what many would say is your launch into the top of the card and the biggest program for you, in my opinion, up until that point. But before we get into the wrestling aspect of things, you and Billy had been in WWE at this point for a couple of years. What yep. was your relationship like with
4: him? You know when I when I first got there, uh, the first time and went with uh, with Jeff, th- they had been there a second, so they were kind of figured in, and they were on the road and they were everything, and I was the new guy, so I didn't really have a relationship with them. Uh, I I, st- I pretty much stuck to Jeff Jarrett and X Pac and Hunter and Sean a little bit, Kevin and Scott. Um, we we kind of hung there uh, because I worked with them a lot actually. We worked with Scott a, a ton. Uh, and so, so yeah, me and Billy weren't really friends uh, that time. When when I came back and we started, of course, uh, then then our relationship grew. And look, it, it we're going to talk about some things in this podcast where uh, you know it might surprise you, it might not. But but Billy and I didn't always uh, see eye to eye, uh, and sometimes we were even tag champions when that occurred. So we'll we'll talk about that a little more. But yeah, the first time I got there, Billy and I didn't really have a relationship. It it, it grew. Uh, ninety six, ninety seven. We started to, to know each other and 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 talk to each other more. I still wouldn't say we hung out with each other. Two two totally different human beings.
3: Real interesting because uh, I think as a fan and and someone from the outside perspective, we just think that you guys had this connection, bond, and friendship from like from from back in the day, like that it lasted a long term before even getting into the ring together.
4: Yeah, no, no, it it wasn't. Uh, and and again, when we tagged up, uh, we still. And there's a funny story I'll tell in a, in a little while, if the opportunity comes up, uh, that, that you know, h- how we started riding together. And, uh, and you know, the first night, uh, I'll just go ahead and tell the story. The first night uh, we roomed together, uh, he woke up and I was uh, peeing in the air conditioner. So... <laughs>
3: I mean, that's, the, that's the old school era that we're used to hearing things yeah. like that.
4: Yeah, well that's, and, and, and right, wrong or indifferent, that's exactly what I was doing. Um, and, and I had, you know, had a little too much, uh, partied a little too much. And, and, uh, that was the story of my life to tell you the truth for a long time. But, but, uh, that was our first night in a hotel room together. Um, and it was the last night in a hotel room together for a really long time, um, so, so yeah, so we we look we're two two different human beings, um, and when we were both young and both, I wouldn't say alphas because I don't consider myself a alpha male, I don't know, uh you know, I don't know who judges those things uh but, but I just figured we we butted heads a lot. He he has a where he works out. It's his whole life. It's a it's a lifestyle for him to go to the gym and and you know at my that-
3: first year at the PC, I worked out with him. <laughs> the first first yeah. year I was there, I'd get to the PC at like six six thirty in the morning. And what a hoss! And yeah. what, like oh my god, he is just a machine. And me being a little dude, when I got to be up and close to like he's just so big.
4: yeah, he's so huge. And that's what. You know what I heard over this WrestleCon weekend, uh, more than anything it was, I heard, uh, I didn't realize you were so tall road dog. And it was, it's because like Billy's a huge dude, Kane was a huge dude. Undertaker was a huge dude. Big show was a huge, you know, all these people are six, four, six, six, three, six, seven, you know what I, and so people just didn't think the road dog was, was six, four, but, but I am, I'm six foot four tall and six foot three wide now. I think I'm not sure.
3: <laughs> <laughs> we got to get you on the Benoni
4: workout. <laughs> yes. Yes.
3: All right, so you and Billy are just floating around the lower mid card and not really doing much at this point. Your return to the company is the real double J. doesn't necessarily amount to a lot of victories for you, but the victories you're having are over more enhancement type guys, T.L. Hopper, Jerry Fox. Are you happy with your role and position? Like just have the patience to know that your time will come, or are you already getting frustrated a little bit?
4: So, So first things first. I don't think I ever wrestled Terry Fox. He was the guy that ran across Canada with one leg. I think Zach Gowan was the only guy with one leg I ever wrestled you did okay. you say terry fox or jerry, Fo- jerry Fox? oh my bad my bad that's so you know jerry
0: yeah you know jerry
4: <laughs> you know jerry terry the fox brothers uh look it was a lame attempt at a, at a joke but you remember that guy terry fox that limped or the kind of all the way across canada what an inspiration anyway we were talking about uh or you were you were asking a question i was rambling on about a canadian hero um but but what was your question again
3: it, it, were you happy with your role? So so yeah yeah, this, yeah I got uh, it. it I you got come it. back as real double J. You're not even getting pushed in a new character. Yep. You're kind of just yep. floating. How you feel?
4: Yep. So 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 look. Tr- truth be told, um, I felt good about coming back. I felt good about I'll do at the time. I would do whatever uh it took to come back. And so I I'd kind of already had a victory in my mind. Like I got, I, my wife was having another baby and you know, and, and we already have a son and, and I don't have a job. And they call me and say, will you come back? So, so heck yeah, I was happy to be back. I was happy with the money I was getting. I, I got creatively, you know, uh, mixed up a little bit like, like, oh man. Cause I thought I, we were going to make some more music. And I thought, you know, and it just, it kind of was, the tide was turning. Uh, it was becoming the Attitude Era, and a singing cowboy was not exactly uh, high on the totem pole for the fans to want to see. So I, I would walk down to the ring singing that song in a lot of towns to a lot of booze, man, and it and it, and it didn't feel good. So yeah, I started struggling in my own mind uh, creatively, but from a professional standpoint, like I'd already won the victory. I got the contract. You know what I mean? I was getting paid. There were diapers on my baby. So, uh, so yeah, I'd already won in my book um but yeah i was getting some wins and we were doing some things but yeah creatively i started getting a little bit frustrated but it wasn't because i didn't like the gimmick it was because the gimmick was not getting not getting over you know what i mean
3: so so do you think the lack of 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 the company then getting behind you and putting you with uh, with bigger competitors and big wins was a punishment of sorts for walking out with Jarrett back in 95 or do you think this just has had been smoothed over at this point it was just something new and they were trying to figure it out
4: You know what I thought I thought about in perusing the notes earlier, I thought about this question Um, and like if it was a punishment, I didn't know it because you gave me, you know, you guaranteed me a 100 grand a year for five years and I just had a second baby. So I was you could punish me if you're going to punish me like that. Punish, please punish me all night long. And so I was I was not looking if it was a punishment. They wasted the punishment on me because I didn't I didn't get it. I don't think, though, look, they're, they're, this company, or not this company, WWE, uh, is very famous for second chances. They believe in second chances and, and they gave me one. And I think they saw uh, with Jeff that I was um, marketable in some way. I could work. My timing was good. I had comedic timing i could cut a decent promo you know what i mean like i i think they saw that i there was something there and they thought if we get him back maybe they can we can we can get something out of him and i don't i didn't mind i didn't mind being used in that in that way um and but you yes.
3: proved that second chances are worthwhile and you can make redemption and you can make something better of yourself and become something bigger and evolve and grow and all of those things so it's fortunate that it did happen that way
4: amen and i and, I, and i've done that several times where uh you know what I mean? I've got gotten a second chance at at creative. I've gotten a second chance in the wrestling industry. I've gotten a second chance at life. So, uh, so yeah, I like second chances as well. I've been given a few of them,
3: and that's also just a testament to your perseverance and dedication and commitment to growth and and and, and to to make good. Yeah, let's let's move forward a little bit. The launch of how we get to the New Age Outlaw starts on Raw is War, March 31st from Peoria, Illinois. Honky Tonk Man coming into the ring with you talking about how he's offering you the opportunity to go with him. We could take a listen right here.
4: Okay.
1: my life like the thousands of cards and letters the honky-tonk man has had for me to hurry up and make my decision on who I think will be the greatest of all time. Well, it has been a while.
4: Watch my facials. I'm
1: impressed with you. Can you imagine what the honky-tonk man can do with you following me through the airport toting this nice guitar? Can you imagine how the honky-tonk man can take your career all the way to the top? Just imagine it, man. (laughs) Can you imagine what you'd look like with some
3: jet black hair? I can even help you grow some sideburns. <laughs> Amazing oh, no. stuff.
1: You need some too,
4: man. Look, I you know was flattered.
1: I, I
3: just can't look at how young you are, you man. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy to me.
3: You, you got like a little revelation. bit of a, of a right Seth Rogen, it's Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> look <laughs> in your youthful <laughs> face. Yeah,
4: yeah. Hey, this is it, man. Just get my brother used to say I look like uh, Justin Timberlake when he when he was young.
1: Absolutely. And I want to present it to you. I've never given one to anybody. I've played a lot of tunes with it. And Jesse James, I want you to have it. Well.
4: Hey, watch when I bust this guitar, something hits me right in the forehead. And, I, and you can see me check my forehead a couple of times.
1: Deal, <laughs> yes. How do you want to do that, yes. honky, honky tonk? <laughs> this is an emotional
4: night. I'm, on, I'm teared up again. Oh, Flawler yeah. is the They're best. Man. Yes, honky tonk, man. I want it. I want to be the
3: greatest of all time. <laughs> I mean, this is just awesome <laughs> in the ring with honky right now.
4: Yeah. This is exciting. And, dude, I'm. To, to be perfectly honest, I'm breathless right I'm now. I'm two honky years in the business. Honky Tonk, man, the world's greatest intercontinental title holder ever. Yeah. And for you, I know how much this guitar means to you. This is music history I'm holding in my hand. I realize that. I don't know if everybody else does. Music history in my hand. <laughs> they want this guitar to the Country Music Hall of Fame. They want it all. Over <laughs> hamburger restaurants. <around laughs> the <laughs> they want this thing put in a glass cage. That's how important it is. Hard Do you want right? to take I... it? When he's I watched this I time. thought the timing guy had to be crapping his pants. Like honestly, I, I don't know what to say right now, but I think I know what to do. <laughs> <He's gonna laughs> warming it up. He's I was tuning it. Tuning it. Anyway. Oh
0: look oh. oh. what, is
1: is what he's doing. He knew exactly what to do. <laughs> <What's he doing?
0: laughs>
4: a little out of tune for me <laughs>
3: <laughs> it gets a good reaction right yeah. there,
4: so that's gonna yeah.
3: yeah. make you feel great James,
4: yeah you know what though honky that's John just honky's man. heat it was like it, it could have been uh it could have been anybody you know what i mean like it, it could have been uh i don't know i don't know i you know the promo was good it was delivered well um his part was he's honky-tonk man you know what i mean so he's classic
3: how does this idea come together with you and honky
4: you know, I I really don't know a, a lot about the creative stuff. I know about I can speak about personal stuff or how I reacted or have responded to it, but but I don't know how it started. But it kind of the more I thought about it, it makes perfect sense, right? Like I was the singing cowboy. He was the greatest intercontinental champion ever. The shake, rattle, and roll, and it was the old, rock, you know, rock rockabilly kind of thing. Like that's why we all kind of fit together. Once they made him rockabilly with him, it was almost like they had to put him in a in a. Uh, you know, storyline with me a yep. little as it may be, or, or underneath as it may have been, uh, it felt like we just all felt right together. You know what I mean?
3: So when the original ideas formulated with you and Billy feuding with honky as Billy's manager, did you ever think it would end with you two as a tag team or this was totally just an angle and a feud going, you know, building up.
4: So, so looking back on it, look, I think this was totally just a underneath uh storyline to, to, to get, us on tv to get to utilize honky who i think was leaving uh i think he had a year deal or something and I'm, i'm not sure that he may correct me on that but like it was just like okay let's let's get what we can and uh actually during the you know i don't think they had anything else to do with us after it so during that run where i worked with billy a ton on on house shows uh, me and Billy would work together against each other. And, and we would literally like, it didn't matter who was the heel or who was the baby face. So we would say like, Hey, I'm going to try to be a baby face out there tonight. He'd go like, no, you ain't. I'm going to be the baby face. And so we would literally have fun entertaining each other, trying to out babyface the other guy. And, you know, cause we were first match on, on the loop. And so we're, we're working, you know, 19 days, uh, 20 days a, a month at that, at that period, um, every night against each other in the first, first match, so it's like, okay, let's go out there and have a good time and kind of set the pace. Um, but I so I didn't never see it ending as a tag team, but I know halfway through of all those matches we were literally going to uh, russo and and anybody who would listen to us at the time, Bruce Pritchard, and say, hey we we think we could be good as a tag team, you know what I mean? So we were pitching ourselves as a tag team uh, about you know four or five months into working every night on the road. It was like this is going nowhere what can we do? What about if we were together? And and it, it's the old faith. It's the old faithful. The wrestler comes to the writer and goes, Hey, we want to do something. We want to be a tag team. Oh yeah. Then what? Oh, well, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't have anything else. Yeah, you you put the, the titles on idea, us. And then it's yeah. their
3: job to plan it out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why don't we take a quick break and talk about our esteemed sponsor for this episode. Blue chew guys. Confidence can take you far in life, and it can also help in the bedroom, especially when it comes time to step up to the plate. And that's where Blue Chew steps in. Dog, you know about this, because Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the price. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead... Or be ready when that spontaneous moment comes up. The process is simple. <laughs> Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription with days. And the best part, it's all done online, so no visit to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Juice tablets are made in the USA and they're prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package dog what do you think man women say there's nothing sexier than confidence and if you didn't know blue (laughs) chew can help give you the confidence where it counts so if you can benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform blue chew can help and we've got a special deal for our listeners try blue chew free when you use our promo code dog at checkout and just pay five dollars at shipping That's BlueChew.com, promo code DOG, to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank BlueChew for sponsoring this podcast. How was Billy feeling during all this in terms of the rockabilly gimmick? With, With him being announced as the protege, was he excited about doing it or was he a little trepidatious?
4: Well, he was, a you know, look, we were both trepidatious going into the, the storyline together. I, I, for one was, was getting booed as I, as I sang with my baby tonight, walking down the aisle and, uh, and he was with honky tonk, man. And, but, but it was a for both of us. It was a new something. And, and, and we, it was something for us to sink our teeth into. We were, we may have been opening the show on house shows, but we had a little something, uh, like I said, that we could sink our teeth into with honky and Billy and me. And so I looked. I think Billy, uh, started really changing his body a lot then started changing how he ate and changing how he trained and, and, uh, and, and he was no longer with Bart. So I think it was a step in the right direction for him. I I don't, I never really asked him, Hey, are you happy with this? But I know we talked back and forth about, Hey, let's, let's pitch us as a tag. Um, and, and and look at we worked really well together as a tag we were two totally opposite people two totally opposite characters in every way shape or form but we gelled together as a as a cohesive unit and like you you think about the, all the old tag teams uh all used to be like bookends, you know what I mean? The Rock and Roll Express, the Fantastics, the Road Warriors even. And and uh, so me and Billy were just totally different, you know, wearing different gear and uh, on a different page. But or not on a different page, we were always on the same page. And that was what was cool about it. Two uh, singles guys that formed a hell of a tag team. That's the way I always thought of us.
3: Nice. Now, in the opportunity to wrestle so many house shows against each other and experiment and try things in front of different crowds, did you start to feel like there was going to be success in the angle?
4: So if we're talking about the angle of uh, of Honky Tonk, I mean, yeah, yeah there, there's, there, the success was uh, for me personally, though, you know what I mean? And for Billy personally, because it was the first thing we kind of sunk our teeth into right. uh, after Billy wasn't a tag with Bart anymore and so so it was you know it was what it was and 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 we worked hard together uh but but yeah we saw we thought i don't remember what it was but we had a match one time where we tagged together but i was still the double j or jesse james or whatever and i tagged with billy and rock and uh oh man uh, what's his name? I'm drawing a blank. Uh Honky Tonk Man. God, God dirt. Uh Bong Resin and Chair Shots. I apologize. <laughs> so 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 Honky Tonk Man um was at ringside and, and I just watched this match not too long ago and, and I was Jesse James and he was Rockabilly and we teamed and and man. I don't know if it was just me, but you could see something there. It's like, chemistry. holy crap, there's chemistry here. And these are two big, raw bone dudes that, that like to scuffle and like to scrap. And that's what time it was then. We were all hitting a little harder and, and kicking a little, a little lower. And you know what I mean? Like we were really just roughing it up. And so I, I, I think, look, that's when I sh- saw something in us. And so I think that's when they did too and went, hey, we got something here. We don't know how we know what the ceiling on it is, but there's something here.
3: And um, I think I've always heard about that moment. And even in my, in my time at WWE, that moment where the talent feels something that clicks, the light bulb goes off and then the office takes notice and yeah. puts the, you know, puts the jetpack on them.
4: Well, and you, and you've seen it happen a hundred times and, and, and we've seen it, you know, look, they threw uh D- double J Jesse James out there. They threw Rockabilly out there. They threw Rocky, my via out there, they throw people out there and then people transform or evolve and then once something uh now look there's a bad they have a bad habit also when i say they i mean wwe and really every wrestling company once you find something that works you kind of beat it into the ground um just because like oh man this is awesome let's put it on tv every week you know what i mean so so sometimes that's a curse and and a blessing you know
3: so at this time in the timeline, Vince Russo is there gaining a bigger voice in the creative process. What do you remember about Russo's role at this time?
4: So R- Russo was kind of new then, um but but he was he was he, we we knew he was just the editor of the magazine at the time and then we all knew him because we had been in the magazine and been pick, taking pictures and everything. So it, we knew who he was, but he had just now kind of came into the creative scene. Um but he was always really nice to me and really professional. We only had real one real dust up, um, and that was later, a lot later. Like I always got along with Vince and he and we were look, he was the one we were going to. To, to pitch, you know, please let us be a tag team. Let us be a tag team. <laughs> and and uh, again, it's like, Hey, change it and do this. Okay. Well then what? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. That's the biggest, my biggest pet peeve from c- working on the creative side of things is when a talent comes to you and goes, Hey, uh, you know, I, I want to work with so-and-so. Okay. Well, t- figure out a story and get back to me and, and, and we'll, you know, maybe we can kick us some ideas around. Uh, yeah, I just want to win the title and then work with so and so. You go know, like, okay, okay, then look, that's a that's a strategy. That's a sound business strategy. We all want to win the title. Uh we just all can't. Um it was, so-
3: it was interesting in saying that it was interesting for me in my position at WWE, learning and evolving on how talent should pitch stuff. Because yeah. a lot of times I have this character and they pitch this character, but then there's no Laid out, laid out plan of how the character yeah. actually fits into the program or the show, like yeah. how the feud actually correlates to the to the content on TV. It's a good idea, but it doesn't work with the current product. So right. how do you and, actually and, incorporate? It, well, that
4: that's what a lot of the uh, viewers don't understand is all the, uh, because look, everything has bureaucracy, right? And, and when I say bureaucracy, I just mean a process of, of going through some things and, and clearing some things and making sure things are okay. But if you just come to me and tell me me, look, I'm going to wear this mask and I'm going to beat people up backstage. Uh, OK, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we get we get two weeks out of that, three weeks tops, maybe take a week off. Now what? You know what I mean? Like, don't just tell me you're going to do that. What Where does it go? What does it? How are we going to get this character out in front of people and and put you in positions to talk about that character in a way that makes me understand that character? And, you know, because the more I understand it, the more I can become emotionally invested in it. If if you're not emotionally invested in in uh, and I mean emotionally invested in, in your baby face or your heel or whoever your guy is. Man, it's it's just it's not he's not working. You know what I mean? If he's if he doesn't have you emotionally invested, then then we need to get him talking some more. And that look, that's the big deal about promos too. Promos are huge nowadays because it lets people know what my motives are, what my what the you know uh, am I the good Samaritan? You know, you pass a school bus that's turned over, and people will go around it and film it and all kind of crap. But some people will stop and run towards that school bus, and you know those are little good Samaritan actions that a baby face can do on a wrestling show without words too, that just show you in his actions, Oh, he's a good guy. You know what I mean? And so you get, but you got to write them into, into scenarios where they get the opportunity to show or say that they're a good guy. Um, I don't even know what we were talking about, no, no. Ryan. So,
3: so we'll bring it back. Let's talk Let's talk about relationship with creative. So we're talking about okay. Russo coming in and, 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 you know, you guys interacted, but there wasn't necessarily a friendship at that point. Right. Do you think ha- having been in creative yourself and being on both sides, talent and creative, do you think it's important for talent to be friends with someone that's in creative to maybe help them get some opportunities?
4: So look, speak, speaking uh, professionally um, and from a corporate perspective, uh vantage point like it's it's a little uh frowned upon to for the writers to be friends with the talent now look that happens a great deal because they work with some writers a lot and and uh and so they have their favorite writers i i firmly believed at the time that if I got over, if I made a name for myself, if I stood out on television, they would have no choice but to come to me and go, we want to do more with you. We want to do promos with you. We want to do this, you know? And so I never for one minute thought about making friends with the guys so that they would put me on TV more. But I did think about making my TV time count and then kind of forcing their hand, like, uh, okay, they're going to come to me now. Um, which, is,
3: which is the phrase undeniable that I always use. Yeah, yeah, yeah it you did. So undeniable that yeah. there is no choice but to go with you.
4: Yeah, and that's the deal. That's, that's, that's it in a nutshell. And, and if you're waiting on me, the writer, to get you over, you're going to be waiting a minute because the writer's a writer for a reason. He's not a performer. He's not a WWE superstar. He's not an AEW superstar. He's not a Ring of Honor superstar, New Japan. He's just a writer who loves wrestling, just like me, just like you, you know? And so... Uh, but he can't do it for you. You got to go out there and carry the load, and he will uh, steer the ship. You know what I mean? He'll make sure the story's being told correctly uh, in your verbiage, in your promos and stuff. But it's up to you to get over, man. And then, like you said, it's 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 you use that word a lot, Ryan. Undeniable. You use that a lot when talking to talent, and that's. Uh, Look, you got to stand out, get my attention. What are you going to do different? Because everybody can do a hip toss, everybody can do a drop kick. Blah blah blah. Show me something. You know what I mean? And look, yep. I, I I get it. There's a there's a different. You know, wrestling is is, and I don't want to, you know, uh, get off too off track here. But wrestling is is so subjective. Like it's anybody. There's no wrong or right. There's no, uh, you know, uh, how my opinion is valid, just like your opinion is, but we're masters of our own destinies. We're, this is, there's no precedent in wrestling. Oh, you can't do that because of this. No, oh, we can make up whatever we want to. We can do and whatever we want to do.
3: And it's wild how those opinions work and how, and how extreme and drastic those opinions can be. Because if we survey a hundred people, 50 people could say what they watched was the greatest thing <laughs> they've ever seen. while the other 50 could say that was the worst thing I've ever seen. And how do you please the whole pie at that.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I mean you you look you can't. And that's I found that out the hard way uh when I was writing Smackdown, you can't you can't please everybody. Um but but you you can tell. I mean, look, I, I don't think checking the Nielsen ratings is uh is a proper way to tell too, but you know, if you know what's good and what's bad, you know what you like and what you don't like when you right. Get done with a show that you've written or performed on, or whatever, you, you, know, you know, you know, you know, I don't need to go to Twitter to tell me I screwed up. I know I screwed up. I don't need to go to Twitter to find out, oh, I, the guy d- didn't win that you want, you people wanted to win. Yeah, that's part of the storyline. We're, we're going somewhere with that,
3: which always blows my mind a little bit. Cause obviously, as a fan, I watch and I can get frustrated watching things too, but like, so many things. If I'm watching a regular sport, things don't go the way I want them to go. And I think fans get so mad that they don't go how they want them to go. It's like, well, that's kind of how the real world works. Yeah, it's
4: kind of part of the deal. It's by design. Um, and it comes with the program. You know what I mean? Like, hopefully you'll tune in next week and see what what the next beat of that story is, you know?
3: So let's bring us back to the chronology of this formation and you've now turned down Honky and he has to move on and the next week he moves on to Billy Gunn and offers him the
4: same spot that you had.
1: You shut your filthy
4: mouth. Oh, what a great heel! I've been
1: watching you for a long time even though you didn't know it. I've watched hundreds of hours of videotape on you. And just because Merchandise of Jesse James, and he was a complete goof. He turned me down. I want you to know you've always been my first choice.
3: I feel like you need a new pro I wrestling team shirt. This. A
4: complete goof. Yeah. Wrong I love with it. Match to someone like Stone Cold Steve
1: He's rough. He's tough. He's on the top of his game. It's
4: where Honky cuts a good promo. And what a great heel, he said.
1: You you were
4: always my first choice.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're young. You're strong. You're dedicated. You're serious. You're a professional athlete. You just need a little help, and I'm here to help you, Billy Gunn. I want you to go with a honky-tonk man. We'll get good clothes. We'll get you a nice haircut. (laughs) We'll get you some sideburns, and I know you
2: can shake, rattle, and roll. But Hustle's you don't jump have to get legends. down on your yeah. knees
1: yeah. right now and thank the honky-tonk man for all I'm going to do for you. If you want to thank me, Billy, I know there will be plenty of time for you to thank the honky-tonk man. Come along, brother, let's go for a ride. <laughs> dance <laughs> move.
4: I love it. I love it. That's classic <laughs> stuff, man. All right, so now you and Billy
3: have both turned down Honky. Is yeah. the plan to put you two together sooner than when it actually happens? I mean, you figure both people have turned them down. You've had this chemistry work in these shows. Is it starting to come together?
4: Yeah, I think this was where they had decided to put us together as a team and didn't know how to kind of get out of it. Like, what do we do here? You know what I mean? But I wish I would have got to punch Honky. Um, Billy did. I didn't get to hit him. Uh, we had me and Honky were uh, were. Nose to nose and toes to toes a couple times during this whole thing. Uh, he hit me with a guitar one time in the back, and I told him to bust me over the head with it. That was back in the day when we didn't know a whole lot. Uh, <laughs> and, and so I told him, hey, I'm going to turn around. And you just bust me over the head with it because at the head, it'll, it'll explode. Like It may cut my head, but at least the guitar will explode. He hit me in the back across my back like a boat paddle like a huge boat paddle yeah. just smacked me oh my god it hurt so bad we got to the back and i just started cussing him like a dog and uh and he was like well i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> you know, but but we we've made up since then and uh and i look i was young and dumb and he was trying to make a dollar and i'm sure i probably was a was an a-hole to him you know what i mean i didn't i didn't mean to be disrespectful and i haven't been since but so in i'm sure i was
3: my good buddy stiffed him once for you so it was you know he, he, he got a little return <laughs> for you hey
4: he honky to- dog honky dog man is like hey did i slam you out there well then why'd you slam me <laughs>
3: My buddy was at the Gathering of the Juggalos back, I think it was 2002, and they were in the Battle Royal, and he said Honky was working someone. He just walked up to him and just started bashing him from behind and then just ran away, and Honky's like, what the heck was that?
4: <laughs> yeah, he uh, he did not like to be hit, and I get that. But, but I was young for a moment, and I like to get hit.
3: All right. So the story starts speeding up when Ross from Johannesburg, South Africa, and you take on Hunter Hurst Helmsley. Yep. It also involves the honky tonk man tripping you to cost you the match. Do you remember what your relationship was like with Hunter at this point?
4: Oh, I took that pedigree like a champ. I'm not bad at selling at getting beat up. I'm not you bad undersell at sell <laughs>
3: yourself a lot. You always put over that Billy's the star worker of the team, but you got some skills, I,
4: man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, uh, I just wasn't a great athlete. I, I, I was yelling at honky tongue man here about something, but yeah, um, this was in Johannesburg, South Africa. First time I ever been to South Africa and man it's so beautiful. It's probably the most beautiful Cape town, most beautiful place I've ever been in my life. Um, and I was so, supposed
3: I, to go there when the pandemic
4: hit, we were supposed oh, to do a
3: recruiting trip, and it all got yeah. canceled when the pandemic came.
4: Yeah, yeah, damn, denic the pandemic. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so, so it, it heated up here. But again, what I remember from this most is, is my trip to South, South, South Africa. Uh, and, and look, as far as Hunter goes, uh, I loved working with Hunter. I worked with Hunter a bunch. I worked with Hunter a bunch in WCW uh, when I was just a job guy and he was coming in. Uh, so I've known Hunter, you know, before this. Um, and these South African fans, you just watch them. They just eat it up. Like we just totally did Hollywood Memphis bull crap. And they're like, yeah, get here, <laughs> Honky just took his belt off and I Yo, think he yeah. wants to
3: lay you over his knee.
4: Yeah, he might. He's going to have to pay extra for that one, Ryan Katz. <laughs> Do you know if there was ever any talk? Of, well, look, at he's getting ready. He's yeah. taking it down right he, there. He actually looks good, too. If he came out of that thing, he still looked good.
1: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, What the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at
0: mintmobile.com slash switch.
3: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for a limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
0: Hey, U.S. Cellular customers. I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you all. Us Days at U.S. Cellular, exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers could get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Visit uscellular.com for terms and restrictions all this jaw
3: jacking, all this building up. Was there any talk of you and honky ever actually having a match together?
4: No, no. And, and I think he was in a position here where he was not going to work anymore. Like he was, he was here to, for a year to see if something clicked, you know what I mean? They'll give him a, a payday and, and, and have him manage a few people and see what works. It was just one of those things, but, but, uh, I don't think it worked. it didn't work out, um, But at that time, if I would have had a match with him, like I had just come back from Germany um, where I worked with, uh, you know, young Japanese boys and young British boys and uh, man, they'd beat the crap out of me. So I really kind of learned to wrestle and learned to fight for it a little bit over there. And so I just come back, come back to the States when I got that, that call from them to come back as the real double J. So, yeah, he didn't want any part of me in a wrestling match. I can assure you of that.
3: Let me go off on a tangent based on what you said. What's it like the first time you go over to another country and wrestle in a different style that you're like, whoa, this is this is not the same as I'm used to?
4: Yeah, it was it was eye opening and uh, and eye closing due to swelling a lot. So it was it was really cool. Like I went to Memphis. Uh, from, from, you know, when I was the roadie with Jeff and we, we left in 95, I went to Memphis and I started wrestling and, and, and look, Memphis and wrestling Doug Gilbert's one thing and, and tip, Tennessee Tiptoe and the old arm ringer and, you know, all these things that are, that are kind of, kind of comedy wrestling. So, so a little bit of that. Um, And then I went to Germany and man, it was a whole new ball of wax where there was a little bit of, a little bit of tussling going on and, and, and uh, you can call a spot. It just might not happen, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and so, so it, it was, like I said, eye opening, and, uh and I got beat up and battered a little bit until I learned like, okay, that's how we're going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, if I'm getting beat up, I may as well do some of the beating my dang self. Absolutely. So, so yeah, it was, it was, it was opening to go to another place and who, yeah, they started bringing it. And I thought, okay, well,
1: here
3: we go. All right. Keeping this, uh, keeping this moving in the right direction. We're going to in your house, revenge of the taker and you Ooh. take on the debuting and rebranded rockabilly <laughs> and you pick up the win. So Billy Gunn's rockabilly. Oh He's got a new manager who's the greatest intercontinental. We're, we're watching that pedigree again, but that's all right. He's yeah. the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. Honky tonk, man. Yep. And you go over in his first match. <laughs> Does this really instill much confidence into the new character?
4: Uh, no, no, definitely not. Definitely not a new character and definitely not into honky tonk man either. You know what I mean? Like, I-, I can't imagine he, uh, took that laying down, but I didn't know if he, if he had a problem with it or not. But, but like, it's, it's not it's not a good start for a new character that's for dang sure but but we've we've done that since with people like they show up and they get beat and they go oh oh, oh and then then they have to go like okay so my debut didn't didn't work what am i going to do about it and i think that's inter- interesting storyline for a character too is when you get knocked down to the bottom what what are you going to what's the process that you're going to go through to get back up to 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 do it again you know what i mean are you gonna are you uh uh you never say die kind of guy like john cena or you just roll over because you got beat once you know what i mean so i, I look i i do think it's not great for the for a new character to come in and just get beat the first time but also also ryan i'm really good at wrestling so i mean he you know
3: <laughs> couldn't beat you yeah
4: i just had his number
3: Having some familiarity with the process, is it is there is something like this a sort of test or no, it's it's just straight up the way it has to be. Hey, it,
4: it, it could totally have been a test. And again, I don't I don't remember a lot of the other side of the the, the fence stuff uh, back then because I was just working and doing my thing and trying to you know what I mean, trying to create a name for myself. But look, yeah. I beat him with a small at, package. That was the biggest small package. That was the biggest small package I've ever seen. It's <laughs> <laughs> like we look like two octopuses.
3: So it's your first singles victory on pay-per-view. Does it mean something to you? Is is it a big moment or is it just uh, breath of relief, and we're making progress.
4: So, so I tell you what, the, uh, the watching it back, the one thing I think is I just stood there like an idiot with my back to them after I won. And I wish I would have done something different than that. Uh, but however, like I didn't, yes, it was a big deal to win on pay per view. Yes, it was a huge deal to me. Um, but I didn't really know what that meant. And, and a lot of my younger uh, years, I had no idea. The inner workings, uh, or the business side of the business, I just knew the wrestling ring. You know what I mean? And holy mackerel, I'm getting paid, and now I'm getting paid to wrestle. And uh, you know what I mean? I was in hog heaven for a young dumb kid who just wanted to be a pro wrestler. Um, I was that on the grandest stage of them all, and so, so yeah, I was, I was extremely happy about the position I was in
3: thinking back did you notice the crowd reaction when you picked up that that victory or or dare I say a uh, somewhat lack of reaction that that, that yeah. they weren't necessarily buying into you guys at that
4: point yeah yeah no no they weren't and uh and it is also like probably let the the office know like hey Nobody cares about this. Like we've, we've been doing it for a minute and we've been on TV a couple of times, but nobody gives a crap. And so then it was almost like, okay, let them do something, put them out of their misery, whatever. And so, uh, you know, here, here we go. It was literally, they use that little, uh, I don't want to say crappy because I don't think it was crappy. I think they were doing stuff with us. You know what I mean? It was a storyline, like I said, that we could sink our teeth into. So I don't want to say it was crappy, but that, that was the catalyst, you know what I mean? To, to launch the, uh, the new age outlaws. And and I guess we'll uh,
3: yeah, we'll continue
4: talking about that.
3: So then the next night you guys have a rematch and this time, Billy gets the win over you. Hon- Honky also hits you with the guitar and everyone's always, let's, let's get into the guitar <laughs> shots.
4: I, yeah. I he mean, beat, did he beat me with the shake, rattle, and roll, or did he, is he hit me with something else? I, I, he
3: pulled. Hey, I gotta it. be
4: honest. I used to love, I still do, looking at it. That Jesse James gear, like I just, it was so cool to me. Like the red, the cow, the wrestling boots were like cowboy boots, and uh, yeah, the definitely. shirt it was like I loved it. Yeah, I loved it.
3: I mean, as a Colorado guy, we had a lot of cowboy stores, so I used to have <laughs> shirts like that too. Uh, okay, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, Let's get to the guitar shot.
4: Okay. Oh, God.
3: I mean, people people know the guitar shot from Honky was rough. I mean, it's even been rumored to say that, that Jake lost some years of his career because of it. Did, was it rough? Did it become a little bit safer at this point? Let's
4: see. It Here it goes. goes. Oh, oh, that's the one. Look, oh, that was look. This. That's the one. He hit me twice and then oh, threw right. it uh, like this is the one when I went back and said you mother
3: <laughs> and it's funny because as, as, as a spectator you probably we probably think that it's the exploding guitar that hurts the most but well, well, so, so the the, the, the,
4: the ex- no the, the exploding one hurt because he hit me in the friggin arm with it like uh, it please hit me somewhere uh, you know like my hard head or my <laughs> he hit me in the back it hurt was so bad I just crumbled and then he hit me and busted it like over my arm and so uh, I remember I had my arm was bleeding real bad. And, and, uh, I just went back and gotten this grill a little bit <laughs> Seems to be common for you. Yeah yeah. 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 I do. I do. I did do that a lot. I, I mean, it's a Armstrong trait. Uh, has got me beat up a time or 12,
3: just a little bit hot
4: tempered. <laughs> yeah. A little hot head.
3: Coming off of this match, the next time you're on TV, you put Vader over in just about 90 seconds when he returns to Kuwait after having his little mix-up with the TV host over there. Yep. Vader has always had a reputation for being stiff and, and maybe even injuring some guys. What were your experiences with the now Hall of Famer?
4: Yeah, same. Same, same as everybody else's. <laughs> but, uh, but the truth of it is... Um, once you. So, so I was work. Look, it takes a good man to beat me, but it don't take him long. Um, Vader beat me in 90 seconds. So I worked with Vader on the on a couple of loops. And finally, I called my brother, Steve, who had worked with him in Japan. And I said, man, he's beating my brains out. You know what I mean? Like every night I just get beat up for six minutes, you know? Um, and he said, well, you got to get his respect. And I said, well, how do you do that? Carry his bag. What do you want me to do? You know? And he said, you got to punch him in the head as hard as you can. I said, wait, what? Big Van Vader? You want me to punch him in the head as hard as I can? And, and he said, yeah. He said, I promise you, you get his respect physically, and you'll have, it'll be easy, smooth sailing. And truth be told, I'll never forget it as long as I live. Uh, he got me back in the corner, and, you know, he would hit you with those those fists. Bam, bam, bam. Well, he hit me with like four or five of them that were good, good, snug shots. You know, I ducked out from under one and I just peppered him in the forehead with uh, with not my closed fist, but my kind of like my fist. And I hit him about six times really, really hard in the head. And then I backed all the way to the opposite turnbuckle and put my hands up and just looked at him. And And I was just saying, hey, man, we don't. You know, I'm sorry, but I'm if, if I'm getting my butt beat, I may as well get some punches in. So I, my brother was not lying. It was smooth sailing from then on. Every match, even later in that match, uh, it was better. But every match after that was, hey, man, what do you want to do? And he would be, yeah, he would. He, he was a good guy. He really was. You just kind of had to get to know him, because uh, he was a baby bull for sure. He didn't do you, realize. Do
3: you think your size helped with that situation, and that you could actually stand up to him and start fighting back?
4: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm look. If it would have, and, and no offense, Ryan, but if it would have been you doing that, he may have no soul and came across right <laughs> then and gotcha and bang, oh, yeah. bang, boom. You know. But but yeah, maybe and maybe he knows my brothers and you know what I mean. Like there's a, a lot of things, a lot, lot of reasons he didn't kill me at that point. But my brother was right. Get his respect and you'll have it forever. And and I did. God rest his soul. He was a baby bull, man. He was a, he was a big old, big old man in the ring too
3: do you think it always works that way of getting the respect and and, and giving those shots to say, Hey, I ain't going to take this. Does it always work that way?
4: Well, it's, so yes, it always works that way, but just be prepared because the guy might fire right back at you. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I was hitting him safely. I didn't hit him in the face or in the nose or in the eye socket or mouth. I was hitting him, clubbing him on the hardest part of his head. Uh, I was just clubbing him really hard. And so I, I do think nine times out of 10, it works. How we give you one to. of the
3: ten that is just a funny, <laughs> a funny memory that comes up that I remember.
4: Please alexa
3: bliss and sasha banks are in a in a a bunch of matches and i think some of these are taking place at an access at wrestlemania and sasha's laying in on alexa and they have a this has been happening a lot so someone says to alexa you gotta lay it in and give it back to her and show her (laughs) what's up and alexa just turns to us and she's just like i tried that and she hit me even harder
4: (laughs) (laughs) well that's the that's it look you you but you're going you're gonna to get beat up anyway yeah. if, if somebody just does that, like Bradshaw. Bradshaw didn't beat you up in the face or beat you up in the throat or anywhere. He beat you up in safe places, but it was it hurt. He beat you up. And, 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 and at that point time in our career me and billy kind of welcomed that and 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 gave it as good as we got it um but when, when you do to go to get that respect just know it's a double-edged sword they could come out respecting you or they could come out thinking oh we're fighting now and uh you know yep K- katie bar the door who's this katie and how do you bar a door like what the, just lock the friggin thing right <laughs> <laughs> katie's katie's complicated as hell <laughs>
3: All right. You and Billy are wrestling again. And this time it's on free for all in your house. Cold day in hell. Billy hits you with the DDT. We're going to go to the clip on this and he gets the win. You kind of talked about this already, but we'll continue a little bit more. Talk more about how much you enjoyed wrestling Billy. Things were just clicking at this
4: point. I I did love Billy and look at our timing was really good together. Like everything was smooth. Uh, He's a great, uh, bumper and feeder, like for for, and and that's why I like that finish of that match. Is we just started, got into my comeback, like it was just bam, bam, shoot, go for a backdrop, DDT, oh, and, and so I like the uh, the out of nowhere. Uh, aspect of that finish but yeah i loved working with billy like he was he's a great athlete he's all man and a yard wide he seems to be in better shape today than he was then but but he's he he was in great shape and he could do anything and and man we just kind of got on the same sheet of music really early on when we got in the ring both against each other and and next to each other it just we just kind of clicked man and we had that that secret uh what a secret it's just we could communicate without communicating you know what i mean like i knew where he was going to be and what he was going to do and where he was going to go and he just felt the same way with me and it didn't get that way overnight but it got that way uh a bit, Billy's a big coarse, hard, uh, man. Like he's a cowboy for real. Like he really got a, uh, like a scholarship to college for riding bulls. Like not just anybody does that, you know what I mean? Like you ain't doing that, uh, hanging out at the dairy queen, but, but he was riding bulls. So he's a, he's a strapping man. You know what I mean? And, uh, and he could go, I know it sounds like I love him, but I do, <laughs> I do. And uh, like, if there, if we could get a room somewhere, maybe have some lunch
3: so so most people would probably be frustrated with 50 50 booking you guys are trading wins at this point knowing that the friendship is building at this point knowing that the chemistry is coming together is this something you kind of almost appreciate knowing that hey he gets one you get one and you're kind of both helping build each other a little bit
4: yeah look we always were neither one of us were ever selfish um so this will probably make some people mad at me but but look, I love wrestling, but I understand it is, was my job. And now was it my dream as well? Of course, but, but it's, it's my job. I wasn't the one that cared about getting beat. I literally one time in my career went along with somebody. And I'm sure that story will come out as the podcast roll. Uh, only one time did I ever say, yeah, I'm not doing a job for them. I'm not I'm not putting them over. And I, and I didn't even say it then. I just went with the person that did. We'll talk about that at a later date, but, uh, but I didn't care about wins and losses, but, but you're right. Me and Billy were very, uh, especially with each other, not selfish. And, and we were like, Holy crap. So I get one, you get one. We're still in the story together. There's gotta be a third match, right? There's gotta be a rubber match uh, to see what happens. And so, so yeah, it was, it just meant some more longevity, some more TV time for, for me and Billy.
3: So on the road, you start working Mankind and Crush, and then more matches with Billy with him going over on you. Can you explain the difference back then to working house shows compared to working TV?
4: Yeah. Well, look, I only reason it doesn't stand still today is because nobody's doing house shows. But, uh, but house show match and TV match, two totally different things. And, and, and I'll even add that a, uh, big pay-per-view match uh is a different animal um it's some of the stuff you know you used to work around the loop on these house shows you'd get a lot of great spots for your for your pay-per-view matches for your television matches what whatever you'd get a lot of great stuff and you could add that in but you would take some of it out was the difference between a tv match and a a house show matches look at a house show the agent tell you go out there and go about 12 minutes so you got 12 minutes to do whatever you want and you can entertain and, and wrestle and do whatever you want. You know what I mean? And uh, on TV, they go, OK, you got five minutes. Um, and when the bell rings, you got three. You got to go and you start running. And, and, and a lot of look, that's the reason that some of the TV matches aren't aren't very good is you don't have time to get involved in them. You don't have time to get invested in them. And uh, the minute you see, you know, because because look, they're trying to fit three hours worth of crap in a two hour <laughs> in a two hour bag. You know what yeah. I mean? And, uh, and that's, that's every week and, and understandably so like, it's, you're getting your product out there, right? You want to push it. Uh, but yeah, it's two totally different worlds. Live event match. You can take a bump, roll out of the ring, go lean up against the thing and talk to the fans. You know what I mean? Like when TV match. You're coming down the ramp and that bell's starting and you got to get moving because you got to keep that viewer. You got to you got to give them something visually sticky to watch. You know what I mean? So how am I going to start this match out? What are we going to do? Start with the heat. How are we going to do this? But you got to grab that viewer's attention and make them stay tuned for your match or else your ratings are the crap. And they go, hey, you probably shouldn't be on TV anymore.
3: Can you remember any odd moment from a live event from a house show that kind of stuck out, stuck out as something you could never do on TV, but you just remember like that was fun?
4: Well, I mean, that was almost every night that happened. But I will tell a a good story that wasn't a a live event story um, that kind of uh, drug on. It lingered a little bit. This story did. So I was new and I was the road dog and I was with Jeff and we were in uh, Winnipeg, Canada, and uh, he was working Razor. And we started, we always started the match where they'd start circling and I'd start circling Razor behind Razor and then Razor would turn and see me and go after me. I'd get up on the egg When he'd come after me, I'd drop down. Jeff would get him from behind. You know, we just played the numbers game with Razor in the live event and we did it well. I got to be honest. We did it well. All of our timing was really in sync. So we were really, really had great matches. Uh, but, but early on I hopped up, razor came at me, I hopped back down and all of a sudden this guy is in the alley where I'm at, you know, on the, on the floor and he's walking towards me and I'm thinking like, what, what's going on here? What's, what are we doing here? And the guy just punched me in the face twice, like, and he punched me in the face, but it was like weird because I don't know if my adrenaline was going so much or what, but it was like, he hit me with working punches. Maybe he hit me with working punches. I don't know. Maybe he thought he was going to be part of the show, you know? So he hit me in the face twice. I kind of backed up and I looked up in the ring and there I see Scott Hall and Jeff Jarrett looking right at me and they go, get him. (laughs) And I went like, oh. This is not supposed to be happening. Okay, so I'm going to hit you now. You know what I mean? And so I cracked him one time. He went back up against the ring and like leaned over. His butt was on the apron on the floor, but he was leaned over. And I just grabbed the back of his head and punched him in the face about 15 times as hard as I could. And I was wearing those biker's gloves at the time when I was the roadie and there was blood everywhere. So I went uh, as soon as they they came and they got him and they started pushing him to the back. And, uh, And we finished the match and I got back there. And uh, and they were, everybody was yelling, they were, had the, the cops had the guy, and everybody was yelling back and forth, and Tom Pritchard was there. And as they were carrying the guy out, the dude's wife jumped the rail and punched Tom Pritchard in the face. Oh and Tom Pritchard had a big black eye for about three weeks after that. <laughs> Oh my. So the whole stuff, I don't even know why that's so funny to me. Me and Tom have a great relationship. It's, it's, it's dicey sometimes, but, but just because it's all in love and fun, but man, doctor. I messed with him. I messed with him for all those. Uh, hey, doc, doc, remember when I got in a fight with that guy and his wife beat you up? <laughs> I mean, that's something that you got on him forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And bless his heart. He just got a sucker punched.
3: You team up with Bob Holly in a losing effort on Shotgun Saturday night against Owen Hart, Davy Boy Smith with Brett in his corner, and Brett hits you with the crutch. Even though this match isn't on Raw, is it a big deal for you to be working with Davy Boy and Brett and Owen?
4: For sure. I I mean, look, those guys, they were the Hart Foundation when I was stinking in the marine corps so i mean i i had a ton of respect for those guys and any opportunity to work with owen hart was uh a, a gift and i say that from the bottom of my heart man he was so fun to work with because he was so good that he could he didn't have to worry about the work he could worry about having fun and entertaining you while you wrestled him and uh and he would man he would he would uh he knew no limits you know what i mean he would he would say, uh, he would shoot you off and say, take a big bump. And then he would hit you with like a big karate (laughs) chop like that (laughs) on the head. And (laughs) you take a big bump and you go like, God darn it. And then then he would say, uh, hip toss me. And I would go to hip toss him and he'd do that low, like, right. Just roll around your leg, like a hip toss. Like he just had so much fun with it. And he was really good, man. In all actuality, I think he's, I think he's, best one of that family um as far as in-ring capability goes and i know a lot of people disagree with that uh but i've been in the ring with with both of them and brett was great but owen was smooth man owen was very smooth and and was just a, a great person you know what i mean just a really good person so yeah it was awesome to work with those guys and the fact that brett had to cheat to beat me like holy mackerel who am i superman
3: Coming from a legendary family, is there a little bit less starstruck aspect of working with legendary people as it's just expected as you kind of grew up around so many big names of wrestling? Or do you still at this point, knowing your career is getting started, feel the energy of of, of legends?
4: Yeah, no, I've, I, I look, I respected them all. And my dad taught me that for sure is is uh, not just respect your elders, but especially in the industry, be respectful of the guys that came before you. So I, I it was starstruck's probably not the right word. But look, I was in awe of some of them because, believe you me, working with the stinking road warriors, and I'm sure we're going to yeah. get there soon. Um, I mean, I, I respected those guys, not only because they could probably eat me if they wanted to, you know, but but just because they were my heroes uh and and again we'll we'll sure we'll get into that here ne- next in next episode probably yep un, uno momento
2: by now you know that everything is crazy overseas and well that's created some volatility in the market we actually saw rates tick down a little bit this week We don't know how long it'll stay that way. All the experts are predicting that there is going to be a rate hike this month in the month of March. Some are saying 25 basis points. Others are saying 50. What does that mean? It means waiting will cost you money. And by the way, I want to mention, this is still a once in a lifetime opportunity, just based on your real estate values. You see, all of a sudden your house is worth considerably more than it was just a couple of years ago. And as a result, you can use that newfound equity to change your life. We're routinely helping our podcast listeners take their 30-year loan and pay it off in half the time. And how can they afford to do that without their payments going sky high? We get rid of all their other debt. And I mean it. As a heads up, what would you do if you had no credit card debt? Just like that, it was all paid off. How much easier would life be if those car payments... They're out of here. No more car payments. That is the story that we're able to help our friends and family with at SaveWithConrad.com. You see, the interest you pay on your credit cards, not tax deductible, and sky high, the interest you pay on your car loans. Buddy, where is that going? What if we could restructure all of your debt, use some of this newfound equity, and at the same time, get you out of debt faster? You see, what we're talking about is reducing the time on your mortgage. Yes, we're gonna get you a great rate, but if you're in a 30-year loan, think about what your life looks like 30 years from now. Man, life gets a lot easier when you're completely debt-free, and that's what we wanna help you do. And by the way, you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. And oh, as a heads up, if you've been thinking, hey man, I like my house but my kitchen's kind of outdated what if we could get you the cash you need to turn your average kitchen into something your wife loves and it wouldn't change your monthly payment at all why wouldn't you do this you see you'd be reinvesting back in your own property that's going to make your house worth even more And oh yeah, you can do it with cheaper monthly payments at savewithconrad.com. Now I know it sounds too good to be true, but I want you to go check out our reviews for yourself. See what some of our new family members are saying at conradreviews.com. You'll see there we've got over a thousand verified reviews. Our average rating is 4.72. And if we were a restaurant with a thousand reviews and a 4.72 rating, I know where you're eating dinner and I know where you need to do your next loan. It's SaveWithConrad.com. MNMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? That's SaveWithConrad.com.
3: All right, King of the Ring 97, you're on the free for all again. And this time you're teaming up with one of the Gun Brothers. But it's not Billy; it's Bart this time, in a losing effort to the headbangers. Uh, but we so, looked
4: cool together. I thought me and Bart looked cool together. I
3: mean, you once again you match a little country cowboy look right there. It it, it seems to fit. As See, I an used image. to
4: love, I love that gear. I just loved it.
3: <laughs> tassels are always great
4: yeah tassels are cool
3: i'm a fan of tassels yeah my original ring pants were tasseled all the way down the sides
4: so the headbangers were kind of coming on here too we got to work with them a bunch they uh they were good they helped helped me a lot to tell you the truth because i didn't know what i was doing i was fresh in the business you know what i mean so they uh helped me a lot in the ring i appreciate those guys i just saw uh chas uh at ECW Uh, arena like two weeks ago. It was really good to see him. Uh, Glenn's like got a shoot job as a, I don't know what, but like he had to cancel because he said he's got a real job that pays him well. So good for him.
3: Absolutely good for him. So, so you're in this random match. It, it, It seems that maybe creatively things aren't necessarily falling into play and you're still kind of being put into some random situations at this point. Is there frustration starting to build? You, you seem to be pretty positively patient through all this.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Again, I, I want to go back to what I said at the, at the start of this, man. I was doing what I loved to do, what I wanted to do since I was uh, knee-high to a grasshopper, and I was getting paid money to do it. And uh, so, so really, I didn't know enough about the creative side or the business side or the booking side or any of that uh, of this industry to to be upset about it. You know what I mean? I really had no idea. I was getting paid and be, getting to wrestle on TV. Living like the I, life. Living the life, yeah, man. Living the dream. The you know, and and, and yeah, I'm in I'm in South Africa. I mean, you know what I mean? And and uh, yeah, it's just incredible, man. So so really I didn't know enough to be professionally upset or or creatively distraught. The I wasn't smart enough.
3: is bliss. Yes.
4: Yeah. Amen. Amen.
3: So so in the summer house shows at this point, you're with Brian Pillman a lot. Yeah. This isn't the flying Brian Pillman from the beginning of his career, but the ankle fused version of Pillman who was a bit more limited. What do you remember about working with Pillman?
4: So, so look, he was aggressive and he, and he was uh man, he's a fighter. Like he's a scrappy fighter dude, like for real. Um, and and I guess you don't get to be a pro football player uh, at his position and, and not be scrappy and not be willing to take a hit and give one. So, so he was, he wasn't doing any of his high flying, but he was still aggressive and wrestling aggressively, but he was also, um, and look, this is not me casting shade. This is me. Uh, I was joining in with him every night. He was also, this is the, time period where he was living hard and he was he was uh partying hard and and me and him and uh chains uh the Underfaker, brian lee and billy and i'm trying to think who else rode with us maybe bart it may have been bart but we uh we traveled the roads together and and it was it was uh it was rough when he passed man because it was it was almost like it was going to be one of us, you know what I mean? And and uh, it was horrible that it was him.
3: Do you have a reality check moment at that point, knowing that you were so tight and, 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 oh man, I'm going to have to adjust my lifestyle a little bit, or, or at this point you're still feeling a little bit invincible?
4: Yeah, no, I'm invincible. And look, I, uh, and this is, you'll hear me talk personally a lot about my, uh, drug addiction and, and me overcoming that, but, but I only do it not to glamorize what, what was, but, to but, uh, maybe warn somebody about, you know, I, I was, I was invincible like just because he passed away like that. That was him. That wasn't me. You know what I mean? And that's that's how messed up my head was, too. I'd, I didn't know anything about self-evaluation. I didn't know anything about looking into into what my problems were. I was just going to blame you for them all. And and that's that's how I lived my life for a while. It's pathetic, but it's it's just the way it was until I uh, could kind of clear my head of the uh, the fog of war.
3: I and mean, it's, it's an intense fog that covers right yeah. there. On September 8th, you team up with Rockabilly, Jesus Castillo, Jose Estrada Jr., and you're in a a losing effort in an eight-man to crush Skull, eight-ball, and chains in a dark match. Is there a thought process at this point of putting you two together, or is this, once again, just a random mix-up?
4: No, I think we were still going to put us together. From what I remember, like, we, even the match with Bart, like, we were still trying to get us together and i know behind the scenes billy and i were still trying to get us together um and we just felt that chemistry in the ring when we worked against each other we just thought hey there's got to be something there um but yet what you said you keep saying i'm on the losing end of all these things like <laughs> did i freaking win any wrestling matches did i, I, I mean, ever it's,
3: it's coming up soon be, and then wait, it goes be, on
4: for a while i beat rockabilly a while ago a little while back so Talking about
3: Rockabilly, do you you think Billy hated it? I mean, you're pretty positive. You said you were doing your job, you were getting paid. Did he have that same mentality? Do you think, or was his viewpoint a little different?
4: Look, I bet his was different, and and I'll tell you why. He, he at this point, had been tag champs, had been, you know what I mean, running the roads as in the tag division, kind of figured in. So So this, I mean, while it was a singles opportunity for him, I think creatively had to look at as a step backwards um, just because of where he'd been. However, uh, the change of character and the change of of, uh, storyline and everything turning like produces longevity for him. You know what I mean? So I think I don't know if he was happy at the time, uh, but I know he he's going to get happier here real soon. (laughs) Absolutely.
3: (laughs) All right, so just like the Muppets, we keep moving down the road of this timeline, and the next night's in Muncie, Indiana, where you team up with Rockabilly, and this time you defeat Jesus and Jose. Honky's in your corner.
4: Those you get the pin
3: after Billy broke the guitar over Estrada's head.
4: Yeah, and this was a pretty, like, heelish thing we got to do on TV. I mean, I think it was on TV, right? Or was it pay-per-view?
3: Yeah, th- th- this is a pay-per-view.
4: Oh, okay. Dang. And so, yeah, we got to win. And this is the one I think I talked about earlier. I don't know if we talked about it on air or if I talked about it to you. But to me, this was the first time that Billy and I had an opportunity to work uh, as a tag team and... I think we did really well. It was the first time I realized, like, holy crap, we're very similar in the ring. Like, yeah. we're long and lanky, and we can move across the ring quickly. We can bump and feed, uh, you know. And our timing was really good together. And
3: shotgun Saturday night, not a pay. Oh, is that what day. this
4: was? Okay, okay. Shotgun Saturday. Look, and I'm doing the whole deal too. I'm still Double J Jesse James, but I'm I'm shake rattling, rolling, and I just figured, you know, let's just have a good match and and be a good team, because that's what our that's what our job was for tonight. That's the role. I was going to play for this evening was I was going to be out there in a team that we had fought each other already. We had, you know, we'd gone back and forth and this was, I just thought this was a, uh, an opportunity. Holy crap. Billy was a, like a luchador.
3: Yeah. I mean, he was quick and nimble. Ooh,
4: ooh. Yeah. And, and I remember uh, he busted that guitar all over old boy's head for the finish. And, and it was uh, like, Holy mackerel. They let us do that on TV. uh, But yeah, this was to me, this was the time and watching this even like I, I, (laughs) <laughs> oh my God. Come on, Brian, what are you doing? Yeah, I, I, I used good. to, yeah, I used to have fun with it, man. I don't know if you remember, like I'd do the worm and pin somebody and then Scotty too Hotty came to me and said, Hey, do you mind if I do that?
3: So, so don't <laughs> you think that's kind of one of the secrets to success in this business is maintaining and finding that fun. Cause, cause I've of course seen experience that everyone gets so involved in and you start to take things so seriously and get so wrapped up into the stuff that you can't control that you forget you're doing what you absolutely love and instead you're putting pressure on yourself and 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 putting yourself in a roller coaster of negative emotions when you can just take the ride throw your hands up and go Wee!
4: man and t- and i tell you i've tried to tell so many uh so many young talent that like just enjoy what you're doing right now because look until you're a top guy i can't help but watch myself work either like i'm my own worst critic but i also think i'm pretty good (laughs) look at billy leapfrog me oh and then he's (laughs) right into a punch (laughs) wow they beat me up (laughs) no i love it man i totally forgot your question but i love watching me wrestle
3: all right. As what happens often, <laughs> things change and the plans don't really carry on. For, oh, wait, wait, I want to watch this shot.
4: Though. Yeah, me too. Cause this is a great finish. And, and look, the referee, like nowadays, like, holy crap. This is what, like, uh, oh. <laughs> There it is. What a great uh, camera shot too. That was heads up by that cameraman. Heck yeah. It was probably Stu or Rico or somebody but that uh sweaty but that was a great. It hung on there and they've close upped on the on the uh guitar piece. And look, also I wanted to say this when I watched this earlier. Like I wanted to roll to the floor and get the victory shot out there. Um, Just because we Stay away from them Yeah, to stay away from them Because we stole one, right? And that's what That's what we'll uh, You'll see with the You know, what I always like And Billy just rolled in the ring It was like, I'm getting my beauty shot And so I just came back in with him But I thought uh, You know, it's stuff like that That people don't Talk about or know about anymore like the little unspoken things if you cheat to win get out of there and look like a sneaky cheating booger you know what i mean like yep. i'm trying hard not to cuss too by the way uh, <laughs> but but you know what i mean look like a sneaky no good son of a gun who just cheated to win like get out of there and oh we we've snuck one over on him you know It's just little stuff like that that's, it's like I spoke about earlier about the Good Samaritan. When you see me doing that, I cheat to win and then I sneak off, like run off. It's, it's even, it's more so. It's like, oh, what a heelish thing to do, you know, what a bad guy.
3: You could hear William Regal on his show, Gentleman Villain, probably talk about these villainous type of techniques because Amen. he is a master of that kind of he thing. He is
4: the master of that. And, and facials, like Regal could get more out of a facial than than most people could uh, out, like of, out of a match, you know. He'd
3: stay crouched and small as he was whimpering and cowering off. Yeah. And then when he was on the attack, he'd yeah. just grow and get so big.
4: That's the thing, man. And people don't think about little things like that anymore. Those are the subtleties that... That aren't subtle at all they make all the difference in the world what are you going to do because we said this earlier everybody can take a hip toss everybody can take a drop kick what are you going to do in between those two things that make me think you're in a physical confrontation and also make me emotionally invested in you one way or another i literally loathe you or i want you to Come back and kick the bad guy's butt. You know what I mean? But I have to, if I don't feel that way about you two guys in the ring beating each other up, then you're beating each other up for nothing.
3: All right. So we're going to move forward to Raw from MSG, where Austin stuns McMahon. And you end up oh. picking up a singles victory over Flash Funk. But in this match, you're not really heel or babyface. Is it tough to do that kind of role in that tweener position, not really sure what you're supposed to be doing?
4: Yeah, especially against Flash Funk, you know what I mean? Like, he's a babyface, too, and so we go out there, and I think we just had a babyface match. But maybe I don't remember every move, but maybe maybe I took a shortcut or two, or maybe he did. I don't remember. But, you know, you kind of got to – if it's two good guys in there going at it, you're even, you're even, you're even. Somebody's got to play a little uh, hardball, and somebody's got to shut you shut the other guy down, and I don't remember exactly how we executed that one. But it is a little more difficult when you got to – you got to. You're supposed to play a role, and you're not sure exactly what that role is. And so you go out there, and you just go with what what uh, your gut says, and you go with you listen to the people. That's another thing I feel like has. Uh, has gone uh, by the wayside is kind of listening to the people and reacting and adjusting accordingly. Um, too often nowadays, we have our spots in mind. We have what we're doing. And by God, when that bell rings, I'm doing that. And sometimes the people ain't that what you put together in the back ain't what the people are buying. Uh, so it was so, always so very I'm- Go ahead.
3: Yeah. And in your opinion, that style today where everything is a little bit more arranged, do you think that's wrestlers creativity or do you think that's generally more so because of TV production these days?
4: yeah look i i think it would i think it's a little bit of both i think tv tv production for sure because you you know we were putting on a television show and i used to tell the talent this too no matter what happens in between commercial breaks we are a television show you can you know you can uh have a girl beat another girl up or a guy beat a guy whatever happens we're still a television show that's gonna in between commercials we're gonna hit each other so so we gotta figure out how to put on a good tv show and so yeah they they speed it up how do we we gotta get through this fast got the next thing going. We want to keep it moving. We want to keep it sticky, keep the viewers in, engaged. And so, yeah, they sped up a little bit. But I also think it's from watching television wrestling, like watching the days of old. There's a lot of bad habits that we had back then that were just OK because we were on top of the world and and the ratings were awesome and everybody was making money. But when you look back at it, man, when I look back at some of that Attitude Era stuff, I'm thinking, man, it's it looks so phony and so <laughs> some of the stuff, you know what I mean? We're just kind of going through the motions sometimes. And so it really it really helps when they add your character into a story that you can sink your teeth into. Then you can start kind of thinking about, OK, how would my character react to this? How would I react to a win or a loss or whatever? Uh, but yeah, it's difficult. They go, hey, go out there and have a babyface match on TV with Flash Funk, and Flash Funk was friggin' great, and I couldn't wrestle worth the crap. And so, it's but just
3: the fact <laughs> that Flash Funk's still doing that stuff right now.
4: Yeah, Scorpio's that's the crazy. That's it. the crazy part. Uh, what a great guy, man. I, I had some good times with him. He's a good guy. South Africa, as a matter of fact. All uh, uh, right
3: your last match against Billy is as Jesse James. And it's on a house show in green Bay at the end of September, you pick up the victory. So at this point, who do you convince and who do you have to sell that you two should be partners?
4: So I went, um, for some reason, I thought that was a TV, but it may not have been, but Vince was there, uh, in green Bay. Um, or TV might've been the next, the next day, Mm -hmm. In Milwaukee or something, you know what I mean? Somewhere, somewhere quasi close. Um, but I remember going to Vince. It was either that night or the next night and saying, hey, man, this Jesse James stuff is, is it's just not working. And he said, what do you mean it's not working like you I see you on TV? I see you having matches. I go, yeah, but you don't have to walk down that aisle singing that country song in a cowboy outfit to people when the times are changing you know what i mean like it was we were changing from uh tl hopper and the goon and the real double j and all that into the rock and stone cold and and a little more aggressive a little more edgy and the baby face with a cowboy hat going was not was not cutting it so i remember it was either like i said that night or the next night i went to to vince and said "I, i don't know what's going on I want and that was the first time he had heard me and Billy wanted to be a tag team um I don't know I, we had been talking to Russo about it but I guess Russo hadn't taken it uh, to him yet and and so this was the first time he'd heard about that and he said well let's go give that some thought you know what I mean so but but he still talked to me in a circle and had me walking out of there happy as hell to be you know, uh, Double J, Jesse James, and singing that country song because that's what he does, man. He's uh, he can sell a ketchup popsicle to a woman in white gloves.
3: <laughs> Let's move forward to Kansas City and Flash Funk defeats Rockabilly after Honky's interference backfires, costing Billy the match. You come out afterward and announce that you're now the road dog and that Billy would be better up teaming with you and dropping Honky. Let's go to this clip right here.
4: They did the. the that's the same finish me and Jeff did in '95 at in your house. The idiot, <laughs> Cornet. So. Oh, Flash, you're so funky. He was funky too. He should have had the Funkadactyls there. Did he have Funkadactyls? He had yeah, dancers he had, he had, at one time, right? Dancers, yeah. yeah.
3: And I remember my buddies just loving this era of the, of the, of the war at this point.
4: Yeah. So that, this is, I, I cringe when I listen to this promo. I, I had no idea what I was going to say. I had no idea what I was going to do, but they just said, okay, here's a microphone. <laughs> Tell her, seeing tell it
3: seeing it written on the back of uh, of the vest when did you get the second g was that when you left again or
4: so so yeah so look the whole name came from uh, jeff when i was the roadie he used to call me road dog like old oh, road dog here's going to get my stuff and do this and do that so he called me that back then in 95 so so really it was just <laughs> This is some of the times That me and Honky Tonk Didn't like each other As a matter of fact He's so old Elvis How old is he? How old is he? <laughs> 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 That's how old
3: he is Double <laughs> Elvis stole
1: his
4: gimmick I just <laughs> came to talk You know me and you Got a lot in common
1: Me and you Got a lot in common Willie Will Don't look at me like that And keep that freak Willie Will
4: Me and you Have been curtain jerkers Since day one So this was a little bit Of a shoot You know yep.
3: And this was kind of the beginning of bringing in a little bit of this yes, realism. Yes. Yes. So what's going? We we talked about you professionally doing a job, but I feel like in this situation, knowing you have this promo, you got to be feeling good right now.
4: Oh yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. And look, I, they had given me the mic like one time before, and so so they knew I could. Talk a little bit, but but they really trusted me and really let me kind of go out there with no script, with no nothing. This is the story we want to tell. Go out there and tell it. You know what I mean? Honky's the best. I got called roadhog a couple times on social media lately. <laughs> Get your own trash. That was Honky Tonk Man's cut down. Rockabilly is his championship material. Something
1: you never will be hoss. And I'm going to ask him the ultimate question right now. And he's going to tell you. Will it will? Are you This is great. Well, what's the answer?
4: Listen to the people. All right, whatever. Billy was so young in the business, he cared about the microphone. You see how he set it down all gingerly? I love it. Honky ain't selling nothing else. You can hit me with everything. <laughs>
1: Look, uh, we, we,
4: yeah we we felt it you know what i mean we we went back and we're like hey there's something here man there's something here
3: all right to the listeners who already listened to last week's my world show we know that you've used the name the new age outlaw previously in promos did you ever pitch that idea to be the name of your tag team
4: no so no i i uh had like new age outlaw on my, I was the new age outlaw, Jesse James Armstrong. That was my name in, uh, uh, Memphis and USWA, uh, after, you know, in that late 95, when we quit, I went there and started working. And so I had, I had, uh, you know, clothes made that said New Age Outlaw and everything. So I, I just, that's just what I wrestled as, the New Age Outlaw. And uh, so when we went there, I just said, hey, I'd love to use New Age Outlaws. And so it just, it just stuck. Like it was a name I had I don't know where I ripped it off from. I'm sure I didn't come up with it by myself, but, but, it, you know, it's kind of the same thing. Like it, that name would still ring true today because there's a, there's a, out, we were like an outlaw, a bunch couple of outlaw guys, a mm-hmm. couple of indie guys that, that got an opportunity and we were making the most of it. You know what I mean?
3: Do you have memory and recollection of you and Billy walking through the curtain after that moment of, of the excitement of what just happened? Cause I, I, I feel like you had to feel like, wow, this is, we're, we're creating something
4: right now. Yeah, we, we definitely, especially after that, when, when he was like, I don't know, if I don't answer your question, I don't know what will. And uh, we we high-fived in the middle of the ring. If you saw as we went up to the, uh, we were walking up the ramp, we turned around at the same times and stuck our hands up. Like, it's just, stuff like that just happened that we were just thinking the same way and doing the same thing and, and thinking along the same lines. Um, but yeah, when we got back from that one, We were like, okay, well, what's what's next? Because the sky's the limit for this in our minds anyway, you know, at the time. But we had been getting beat every week. So it was holy mackerel. We may win a match.
3: So let's move forward to Shotgun Saturday Night. You team up with Billy for the first time as a regular tag team, and you take on the new Blackjacks of Wyndham and Bradshaw. You get the win, and afterwards you grab the mic and to say that it's win number one of your win streak. Is this gimmick launching with an end game in mind, or are they just going to see where it goes and if it works?
4: Yeah, I totally think they were going to see where it goes um, because I dang sure didn't have a win streak uh, coming or or a win streak that I knew of that was coming. Um, I look, they were very, uh, trusting back then about, I would just get out of the ring and grab the mic in the middle of the match. And the, after the match, before the match, you know what I mean? Like they, they, they just trusted, they trusted a few people to do that. I trusted a lot of people to do that. Let's be honest. They, they trusted a lot of people to do that. And I was one of them. And so, so the, the post-match promo was not supposed to be, it was just an opportunity for me to get my crap in again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, We dang sure didn't know that that was the first victory of a lot to come. You know, we were just, okay, we're here. Here we are. We're a team now. Okay. We beat Barry Windham. Holy crap. There's another one that, um, Barry Windham, it was been, he's probably my third favorite wrestler in the world. You know what I mean? uh, behind. Kurt Hennig and Brad Armstrong and Brad Armstrong versus Barry Windham are some of the best matches I've ever seen in my life. Um, And just Barry is so smooth and big and covers the ring with Effortlessly, like he was just poetry in motion, man. And so to be in the ring with him was an honor. And then we got to beat him too, and we stole their hats later, and we did, you know, all kind of stuff with Barry Wyndham, man. That's, oh, I was in Hog Heaven, and my brother Brad was like, you got to work with Wyndham, you know, he's good, ain't he? You know, we got to talk about that, man. It's Barry Wyndham, yeah. Th- thank you, Barry.
3: Let's run this clip of of this debut of you guys as a team, and you guys, and you cutting the promo as you walk down the ramp.
1: Okay. Let's hear what he's got to say. At least he's asking him to turn the music off. (laughs) They want to hear the road doggy dog. That's right, we're back and we're proud, and we're going to say it out loud, because right standing to my left is bad (laughs) Billy Gunn. (laughs) <laughs> here,
4: everybody out there TV, There's that '90s hip hop right yeah, there. Yeah, I loved it. To the rhinoceros of the world, wrestling federation, yeah. to honky man, and that was merely step one
1: for myself, the dog, and bad
4: <laughs> Billy's dog. like, hey, uh <laughs> you, we got a match. <laughs> I just kept talking too. Well, this right here, waiting up. These two here. big badasses in the ring to waiting clear. to beat me up. Think, look at this old finish. Holding that leg. That's as good as it gets right there. See now you got to scoot, you got to boo, scoot and boogie. We got away with one.
1: <laughs> so this day
4: truth be told, truth be told, psychologically, I should never have gone and gotten that microphone. Cause look, they're just standing there. We cheated and we beat them, and now they got to stand there and watch me run around. And that 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 craps why on them. You know what I mean? On their baby face status because the the they they should, they should my, be no, coming no. after me right now. Um, but I shouldn't have put them in that place to begin with.
3: So do you get talked to at all for grabbing the mic if it wasn't necessarily part of the plan?
4: No, no. And and truth be told, I also didn't really know what I just said to you then. You know what I mean? Like, I also just thought, no, I'm getting my crap in. And, and you know how you learn that stuff, Ryan, is over the time you go and get the mic and that baby face will slide out of the ring and beat your ass. (laughs) you go like oh okay got it got it that's how you learn the lesson amen
2: Time to tell you about something I'm super passionate about protecting your family. Yes, this is a life insurance ad for goliathlife.com. But to me, this is really about peace of mind. Think about insurance for a second. We all get medical and auto insurance yet. We never even know if we're going to have a need for it. Let me let you in on a little secret. You need life insurance. We're all going to die. Now, as you let that reality sink in, think about what would happen if your family stopped having your income tomorrow. If you don't have a plan for that, you need to visit GoliathLife.com. And I mean right now. And just personally, I've lost two friends in their 40s this past year and a half, and I don't even want to think about what their families would be going through had they not had life insurance. If you don't have it, get it. Protect your family. And I suggest you go to GoliathLife.com because they've made the process of getting affordable life insurance super easy. There's no hidden fees, no upsells, no hassle. Hell, not even a phone call. Goliath Life is life insurance in your hands, on your time. Get multiple quick quotes right now from the comfort of your own home and begin your application in a few easy clicks right now at GoliathLife.com.
3: So you finish and come back through the curtain. What does Vince McMahon say to you?
2: So, so, So look, Vince has been a
4: fan. Vince was a fan. Uh, from the roadie like I'll never forget that we had that match with Brett uh, and Jeff and me and uh, Captain Kirk were on the outside uh, uh, William Shatner Yep. Um, and there's a funny story there too we got an argument over the how the how the physicality was going to be executed and Vince had to get involved because me and Captain Kirk were arguing with each other <laughs> but uh but when I came back from that one uh Vince and Shawn Michaels are standing there and Sean looked at me and looked at Vince and said, "I told you he can do it." And so, literally from then on, yeah, you know, Vince was always a fan. And so, look, I think that's why he kind of let us do our own thing for a bit too. Was uh, you know, gonna give you enough rope to hang yourself, and and if you don't hang yourself, we'll all make some money.
3: <laughs> How much of this creative was Vince Russo or Bruce Prichard?
4: So I, uh, you know, Br- Bruce was. Uh, Bruce was always in that circle but I didn't know he was in creative I kind of thought he was just Vince's right hand man or or uh, you know what I mean like I just I didn't really know how much of the creative he was involved in I know he was heavily create heavily involved in the uh In the uh, a lot of the DX stuff, like I know he went with us when we went to CNN Towers and he was with us a lot. You know what I mean? Uh, Bruce was. But but this was probably Russo and it was probably some of his stuff he was kind of getting to try out. You know what I mean? And Vince was letting him roll a little bit and seeing. Okay, well, let's just just have some fun and see what sticks. You know what I mean?
3: Very cool. So now you got buzz and momentum's building, and we head to Raw on October 20th, 1997. You two take on the Headbangers, and it's so memorable when Billy smashes the Headbangers boombox over Thrasher's head, and you get the pin. Let's show it right now.
4: Billy's good at just busting people with stuff, (laughs) and I just top them.
3: I mean, and, and then just knowing this moment, the blood has to make this even better at this point. Oh yeah, yeah, Un- yeah. Unplanned yeah. hardway juice has to just put a little bit more stank, <laughs> a little bit more sizzle, and a little bit more badass on top of you both. Yeah,
4: of course, of course it does, and and uh, you know that that was not uh, meant to be, but that was a real like juke, you know, or, or uh, what do they call them a. Uh, boombox uh, yeah it was real it was hollowed out a little bit oh sorry um but it was real and it busted at, you know we worked again where they busted one over my head but it was a a, a promotional deal with the the boombox i we'll look that up we'll show that on one of these episodes too where they hit me and i still have a scar uh on top of my head where that plastic just stuck in my head um those things were uh, weren't very forgiving
3: we're talking old school electronics of boom boxes. And, and then the <laughs> promo, we didn't hear it, but I know what you said, because that was, you better page somebody. <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah. And look, that was what we were doing a lot back then is is, is uh, me and Brian Christopher and a lot of the guys that messed around were like, oh, you didn't know? Well, you better fax somebody. Well, you better page somebody. <laughs> that was, we all had pagers then. You better you better send 911, you know what I mean? Like we were just having fun. And so I finally told Brian Christopher, uh, not Brian Christopher, Brian uh, Lee, I said, look, I'm gonna say it when I go out there, I'm gonna say, oh, you didn't know you better call somebody. He's like, no, you won't. I said, yes, I will. And that's literally how the whole thing started. That's
3: awesome. (laughs) And that's going to come up in a fan question in a minute. After the match, you go to commentary and you yell about how it's now your time to get the chance. How (laughs) are you feeling in this moment getting to yell at the boss?
4: Well, so I, I looking back at it, I probably thought, (laughs) uh, I shouldn't have done that, you know, at the time, but that's, not where my head was then. You know what I mean? I was literally excited. We got, we're on TV getting victories and like, I, and I overstepped my boundaries a little bit there. I don't know if I got talked about, <laughs> talked to about it, but I probably shouldn't have gone over to the announce table and started yelling at him like that.
3: We've talked God about done. the process throughout a lot of this, but you had to know that at this point you got a hit on
4: your hands. Oh, yeah. 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 Look, that's why I was, Mark Henry used to say, his grandmama used to say, Oh, you smelling your pee, ain't you? And <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was doing right then. That's why I went over to the table. That's why I, th- I, I thought I was something. I thought something was going down. Um, little did I know that I was talking to the guy that signs my paychecks. You know what I mean? I knew it. I just didn't care at the time.
3: So now you've been put together. It's rolling. The momentum's moving. How quickly does your friendship with Billy grow now that you're teaming together and it's official?
4: Yeah, well, this is what we talk, touched on a little bit earlier Is uh, is the our friendship, we still weren't friends. <laughs> we were tag team partners. We were tag team champions and we still weren't friends. I spent a lot of time with X Pac. Uh and and again, it's just because Billy and I led two different lifestyles. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Billy likes to look good and I like to feel good. And so <laughs> so there was two uh, I forget who uh who said that, but Bradshaw used to say that to us all the time. Billy likes to look good, dog. You just like to feel good. Um and that it was Excuse me, it was true. It was true. We led led two s- totally separate lives, but when we got to the uh to the squared circle, we jived. And so, look, our our friendship now second to none. Like I we've we literally grew up together. You know what I'm saying? Like from this moment that we're watching right now when we're both, you know, 25 26 years old, however old, we've literally grown from then to now in our relationship, and I mean we've been through everything ups and downs and all arounds and 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 uh we got sober together uh we we spent this whole weekend with him our relationship couldn't be better uh and and probably i have probably 3 really good friends in the industry and he's one of them um and i you know he's a guy i love to go out with go out to eat hang out talk you know what i mean like we just we just have so much in common now and we've been through so much together that that relationship is just ironclad now it's awesome yeah it
1: is words are about to be spoken and the wrestling podcast world is about to be broken Hey, I'm John Alba, co host of The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy, and I wanted to invite you to join the iconic Matt Hardy and I every single Friday as we take a peek inside the locked room that is one of pro wrestling's most creative minds. You'll hear stories spanning more than three decades in the industry, like this week when Matt shared his recollections of getting a call from Vince McMahon before the Hardys made their shocking return at WrestleMania 33.
3: Uh, hey, uh, Vince just wanted to bust you. Look. Look. Fuck.
1: Make sure
4: Jeff doesn't do anything fucking stupid and cripple himself tonight. I fucking I know how he is. Fucking reel him in. All right? Towards WrestleMania. Damn it. Yes, sir.
1: I got it. It'll be good. I promise. All right? I think. All right. See you tomorrow. Hear stories like that and many more from the course of the Hardy Boys' incredible career every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts and with early access exclusively. On adfreeshows.com.
3: And that's the formation of the New Age Outlaws. And we're pretty much just at the beginning right here.
4: Holy macro. Of
3: course, in future episodes, we'll go more in depth and we'll move towards your first championships, the tag team championships. But for now, let's go to the fan questions. Oh, the fan,
4: the mailbag.
3: The mailbag.
4: Mailbag.
3: Big D, WWE, Ooh, 1984.
4: I have never been called that in my life. Go ahead.
3: <laughs> I remember back in 1997, you guys, I feel if his name's Big D, I got to do, i remember back in 1997, you guys wore the South Park shirts. What inspired you gentlemen to wear them? And did you receive any pushback from legal or then again, hear any praise from the creators of South Park? What did Vince think?
4: So, look, I never heard. What Vince thought about it, I never asked if I could wear them. I had a guy in Pensacola, Florida, at the mall that did airbrushing, and South Park was hot at the time. I was a huge fan. Everybody was, it felt like. Yeah. Um, so it only felt uh, right to have the buy their shirts and then to have them modified to fit our, what we were doing. You know what I mean? Like, look, you know, I came from, uh, and and it was also a little inside baseball, a little smart Markery going on, uh, because like I came from WCW where it was the Armstrong curse. And so I would put like on the shirt, look, mom, no curse. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like, like, look, mom, no hands, but look, mom, no curse. I would put like place belt here with an arrow to, <laughs> to my waist. You know what I mean? Like I, I would make the guy's eyes bloodshot and put like 420 or so, you know what I mean? Like creating it was just
3: meme culture before there was a <laughs> meme culture.
4: Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. But look, it was me riding off their coattails of their success. And I just wanted to to be in on that. I was a huge fan and I thought, so I never, we never really heard from Vince. Uh, and then when we got our own shirts made, of course, it was like, no, we're going to wear these. So people <laughs> will buy them. Uh, b- but, but, I never. We never heard from uh from Parker and Stone. What are their names? Uh that, Parker Tree yeah, Stone. Yeah, stuff Parker and Stone never never reached out to us or never said anything. Uh, but but then you Bastards. see, then you see they had like Bret Hart and Macho Man and all kind of stuff on there. So they, you know, they they're down. They're down yeah. with the sickness.
3: <laughs> at J Classic eighty four wants to know at what point. When you first started teaming together, did you both know the Outlaws were gaining traction as a team?
4: Well, look, I think the timing is perfect for Jay Classic 84 to ask that question because we literally just saw it where we got that win over the uh, over the uh, Headbangers in a in a pretty strong way, and then they left me going over there and yelling at the boss on the TV. So they were obviously giving us a little leeway, uh, and a little wiggle room, and and so that that was probably about the time where we knew. Look, we truth be told, when he hit Honky Tonk Man with that guitar and we had slapped high five and left, we knew right then this is going to be good. You know what I mean? And we were both really excited about it, so we weren't going to let it not be good. Uh, but we had no idea can't even fathom or dream how big it would get, you know?
3: You kind of talked about this one a little bit, but I want to give, let's go back to WCW, their chance in the spotlight to ask, whose idea was it to pair you up with Billy Gunn?
4: Yeah, so, yeah. It, it was definitely me and Billy's idea. Um, I don't think they we just continued to, to hammer on them while we were in that little underneath card uh, storyline with Honky Tonk and, and Rockabilly and, and the real double J. We just kept hammering on him. Hey, man, just try us together. Try us together. So I think it was, uh, uh, you know, me and him both kind of wanted to wanted to see what would happen. Uh, you know, we couldn't go any lower. So let's see if we could get any higher. Um, and note to self. Uh, And a spoiler, we did. (laughs)
3: All right. This one's going to be interesting to check your recollection and see how that concussion and bong resin is doing. (laughs) Plus underscore (laughs) Lindsay wants you to tell us a story you haven't told before about antics backstage or on the road without well, getting yourself in trouble dog
4: yeah yeah yeah, or <laughs> anybody else in trouble too um but no when we first won the tag titles and i've actually told this story before but but i'll start with this one um when we won the tag titles, like I wore the title through the Atlanta airport the next day uh, when, cause I think we were in Atlanta the next night uh, after we won them there in uh, North Carolina against the, the road warriors. Um, and so I, I put it in the back of the window of the rental car with like a shoe in front of it. So everybody driving by, I keep hitting this thing. I'm sorry. Everybody driving by would see there's a, wwe tag team title in the back and all the boys would drive by and shoot us birds and uh but we just had a great time with that but look when you're when you're traveling on the road with these guys man it's 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 you're with them more than you are your family. So, I mean, you know, and it's a lot of men and a lot of, uh a lot of women and a lot of anger and a lot of, you know what I mean? Like it, so it can really be taxing and trying, Uh but but man, we had a great time and there was a, a lot of horseplay, a lot of probably nowadays inappropriate horseplay uh, in the locker room, but man, it was camaraderie and it was, it was big dude camaraderie, you know what I mean? And so, uh, it sounds like we were just all playing at a dude ranch and it was kind of like that. We had, we sang a lot in the locker room. We would sing songs and choreograph dances.
3: Oh, so, so, so favorite song and dance to
4: do. No, not really. Not really.
3: <laughs> at dreaded dinosaur wants to know what was your biggest challenge working as a team?
4: Hmm. I, you know, to be quite honest, the, the challenge, it was never there for me. Like it was. So I'll tell you, there, there was one challenge and this is a story included. So I usually took the heat. No surprise there. Mm-hmm. Billy would shine a little bit up front. I'd shine a little bit up front, hit the wiggle, wiggle, knee, one, two, kick out, bing, bang, boom. Here we go. We start the heat. Heat's on me now. Well, Billy would yell at me and I mean yell at me. When I was in the ring, like even if he's just saying, tag me, tag me like he yelled like it was the last thing on earth he needed people to hear you know what i mean like he was and he yelled at me and so one time and and i always say this too and it's the truth the stiffest part of any match i ever had is the hot tag to billy because billy is such a his hand is like a muscled up catcher's mitt and so you just reach your hand out there and he'd tag it and dislocate my shoulder and give me carpal tunnel every time but he would come in like a ball of fire man and that's what you need when that hot tag goes down that's what you need as a man on fire uh and so so that that would uh what were we talking about oh so 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 him yelling at me him he would yell at me so bad and then so then i would one day i just had enough and i came to him in the back and i said hey bro if you yell at me like that again i'm gonna beat your big ax i'm gonna me and you are just gonna fight you know and and he's like what are you talking about and i was like dude you yell at me in the ring every time he's like I don't even know what you're talking about. I'm just, I'm just talking. He's like, I just talk like that. I just, uh, and so, but it was a whole big thing of like a month of me working up to telling him, Hey, stop yelling at me, dude. <laughs> turns out he was just working, I mean, but he was working. He was working so good. He worked to me.
3: I mean, the, and those are the moments that work everyone else. Yeah. Too.
4: Yeah. Yeah. They do. And, and and like, again, it's a pleasure being his partner, man. I, I love the fact that me and him got to, uh, you know, have the success we had, but I often wonder: like, had I, had I, uh, you know, kept my head on straight and 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 kept stayed on the straight and narrow, would me and Billy be the Road Warriors, or would we be? You know what I mean? Would we still? Billy's still working for the love of God, so so, um, and he could still go to Bless his heart, but I, I can't anymore. But would we still be iconic and iconic tag team? And I guess we kind of are, but like. Man, we ain't the Road Warriors. Don't give me you know, don't get me twisted. We ain't the Road Warriors. We ain't the Rock and Roll Express. We were the New Age Outlaws and and we did our own thing. But could we had if we stayed together longer, could we have really made a name for ourselves in the tag team wrestling division. You know what I mean? Like when, cause look, let's be honest when the conversation about great tag teams comes up, you might hear a new age outlaws, but you probably won't uh, because we had a great run and we were entertaining and all that. But man, we, we just weren't together long enough to be, these established great tag teams that you hear about.
3: Dusty always used to say to me, "Ryan Katz, the difference between good and great is just time."
4: Yeah, it is time, man. And you can't you can't establish your character in one show. You can't go out and go, "I'm going to do this," and then they're going to know who I am. No, you're going to need about two years of television time. And being on TV in a positive light a lot before they go, oh, yeah, I love that guy. You know what I mean? And I, I heard Cody say something like that the other day, too, was about uh, the word over is is overused. And, man, it is overused today because there ain't nobody over like there was over back in the Dizzy. And, and all you got to do is watch an old episode of Raw to, or, or Nitro or Nitro to, to remember and hear that, man, and feel that energy because it was electric.
3: And that's it on the energy. It's not just the roar. When you watch those old clips, it's the body language. It's the eruption. Like it's not just that you hear the sound, you feel and see the wave of the. people. Yes. Yes. And well,
4: that's the thing is their energy was palpable. You know what I mean? Like you felt it and you fed off of it one way or another. And that's back to what I said earlier. And I'm not just being the old sour guy. I just think some of the guys nowadays need to learn to listen to the fans and they might have to, uh, uh, you know, adapt on the on the fly uh god forbid um and give the people what they want rather than the ping pong match they put together in the back you know
3: we got a couple more questions to get through at cgo million has a two-parter for you who is your favorite tag team to work with and how did you decide on the spike pile driver as a finish?
4: So I think uh, I think, you know, we probably only use that finish like once, to be quite honest with you. But I do think uh, I do think um, I forgot. I saw Steve Kaufman. You put a note in here and I and I I got (laughs) sidetracked by it. so, So what was the question again, Ryan? I'm sorry.
3: Yeah, it was. Well, who was your favorite team oh, te- to work team with? team
4: to work with and the pile driver. So, so I started with the latter, last part first. Yeah, I think mankind came up with the spike pile driver to beat himself. He I, he was, uh, <laughs> yeah, mankind. I think. Um, okay. But uh, my favorite team to work with, man, I got to be honest with you, and it was rough going. But Farouk and Bradshaw. Uh, Brought out the man in you and, and, uh, and kind of pushed you to the limits physically as to as to how far you're going to go before we are literally in a fistfight. Um, but, but it was fun. It was good and it was fun. And Bradshaw had so much fun. Me and Billy would just be waffling him and he'd just say, I ain't going down. I ain't going down. And we just keep hitting him and he'll go, Okay, I'll take a knee. <laughs> <laughs> he'd go down to a knee. And I mean, me and Billy be beating the crap out of him. Bless his heart. He's a good dude.
3: Dog, you brought this up before. Let's just give a little bit more to it. Helen 2076 wants to know where the phrase, oh, you didn't know came from. You talked about just it was something you talked in the back with.
4: Yeah. Yeah. It really, it really was a running rib backstage. And it was, uh, it was just like, (laughs) Oh, you didn't know. You know, and everybody was saying that about that time. It was like, uh, you better ask somebody. You know what I mean? Snoop Dogg. Everybody was saying like, oh, you didn't know, you know? And so it was a, it was a, you better recognize, you know what I mean? Like it was that kind of time. And so we were just joking around backstage and I just stuck it into my promo. And when I heard our original Outlaw music, I thought, oh my God, that works perfectly. I was saying it before with no music at all. Um, it Down, no, on now now. No. Oh, you, you know what I mean? It just worked wow. perfectly. And, and uh, your ass was like, oh, somebody. so I don't know. It just worked perfectly. And I look, the stars were aligned for us, for sure. Um, you don't get to be where we were uh, if everybody ain't cheering for you and pushing you in that right direction, you know.
3: Final question comes from a father of some messy children. Dad of Pigs 3 okay. wants to know when and where did you two first meet?
4: Yeah, it was at in the WWE. It was uh, it was after I would got there with Jeff Jarrett, you know, and like I said, I I had met Billy uh, before, but like him and Bart had been there and I was a new guy and it was, you know what I mean? Relationship weren't there yet. And so uh, I met him and probably knew him for a couple of years before we really got to know each other. And and look today we know each other front back and indifferent and i can send him a text and he'll send it something i know what he's going to answer me and he answers me just like that and it's just i don't know it's just really good to be at this stage in my life and have a really good friend that i went through it all with uh i got a couple of those uh but billy's one of them you know i love the scene in tombstone where he says uh oh, man what are we doing here and then he says a wider, my friend. And uh, the other guy says, well, I got lots of friends, Doc. And Doc Holliday says, I don't. <laughs> <And> that's, <laughs> that's the best line of any, like it's holy mackerel. And that means a lot. You know what I mean? That's I, I go to war with you uh, and I stand next to you no matter what. And, and I got, like I said, a few few people like that. Billy's definitely one of them.
3: It's awesome. Yep. Dog. This has been interesting. It's been informative, entertaining, and I just even... a whole lot of fun. Can I
4: ask you a question, Ryan, before we get off of here? And I didn't yeah. know. I should have probably it's not the venue to ask. Should I have pants on for this? It's funny that you say it, because I was okay. actually thinking about not wearing pants okay. myself. Okay. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, <laughs> I I, from, the wa- from the waist down, I'm like a Japanese schoolgirl. That's what I have on. I'm like dressed like Sire. Uh, but I just put the shirt on so you couldn't tell.
3: Well, we're gonna do this again each and every week, and next week we're gonna be discussing how you joined Degeneration X, and in that discussion, it's gonna include your tag team title run over the Road Warriors, Cactus Jack and Chainsaw Charlie, the Dumpster Angle, oh, and the Dumpster yeah. Match at Mania, and then joining DX the night the next night. There's so much to talk about. And we're just starting to get into our groove right now. What do you think of this first episode,
4: man? I was uh, I was anxious about it because I have anxieties. You know what I mean. I work on that with uh, a skill called mindfulness and so trying to just be mindful of everything and, and processing it correctly. So, but I, I just just like I look, I'm a forecaster. I'm a future tripper. I worry about things that are happening in the future when nine and a half times out of ten they never turn out that way. And so so I was scared to do this. I'm really happy we got one under our belt. I feel really good about it. I hope uh I hope the team does as well. Uh and if you don't, you know, like it, I got two words for you. Subscribe button
3: yeah it's been a blast this week and we can't wait to do it again next week so thank you to everyone for listening watching subscribing and also telling all your friends on behalf of the road dog i'm ryan katz and this has been episode number one of you say it road dog
4: oh you didn't know